The book of Job, starting in chapter 36. Elihu is continuing on, and he says he's, gonna, he's got more ways to defend God. <laughs> and then he goes on to be kind of uh, what appears to me. On one hand, he's correct. He's got more knowledge and wisdom than the others. On the other hand, he's, he, it comes off here as pretty prideful. He says that God is infinitely powerful and all-knowing, and yet he cares about each one individually, and he's involved with the details of each one's lives. He says, uh, starting in 11, I mean, this is very true if you look from an eternal perspective, but it would appear he's applying it to a natural perspective, which of course isn't always true. Although, as a general principle, uh, it is. So like the Proverbs, the Proverbs have a, a lot of principles, and the principles are generally true, but not always true. Um, and so he's saying if they hear and serve him, they will end their days in prosperity. So spiritually, that's very true, and their years in pleasure. Um, but if they do not hear, they shall perish by the sword, and they will die without knowledge. Um, again, in the natural, of course, Job is experiencing the opposite of this. So this isn't necessarily that always going to be true in the natural. And he says the godless are uh, the godless in heart lay up in anger, or another version for the godless are full of resentment. And and this is very true that we we can put ourselves in a prison created uh, basically in our own soul or with. You know, the enemy's happy to help us do this, where we fill ourselves with resentment or bitterness or whatever, and, and we, can, we can be quite miserable in that uh, cage made by ourselves. And we, when we seek after the wrong things, we end up, you know, basically dying and having uh, bad consequences for seeking after the wrong things. And he's basically saying that you had some hidden sin, and God is, has sent this suffering in order to turn you from a life of evil. And, and while it, he's incorrect in that being the case in Job's situation, that's very true wisdom that, that God will help us in such a way. So it's profound wisdom, it's bad discernment. And actually God is doing this on a grand scale today in the world. He's, he's bringing affliction so that people will wake up and turn back towards him instead of going after their own ways. So that is absolutely the way that God uh, does work. Then he, he moves back to telling Job he should glorify God. God's all-powerful, all-knowing, and so what, what better could we do but just glorify him and worship him? And, and then the last several verses are basically him just giving examples of the ways God is my the ways that God is mighty and how His ways are incomprehensible to us, and then we're on in chapter thirty-seven. He says God's voice is like thunder, and He comes with the lightning. He commands these as well as the rain and the snow. He says we're completely dependent on these things in His way. We we don't even understand why and how He does such things. It's actually remarkably similar, the things he's saying to what God himself is going to say. But he, you know, he again gets Job's attention starting 14 and says, consider God's wonders. Do you know how God established them? You know, can you explain this, Job? So again, I'm seeing this parallel between a, a son of God or the sons of God 
bringing God's wisdom in a way that because they're filled with God, knowing God's ways and sharing them in the same way here, Elihu is sharing some very similar things to what God himself is going to be sharing soon. And he ends his speech again by just saying how great God is, how incomprehensible his wisdom and his wonder are to the the mind of man. And that in the end, all, we should just fear him, worship him, uh, that God is not impressed with anyone who thinks of themselves as wise of heart. And when we think of ourselves as wise of heart, we can't be taught by him any longer. And so he says, just fear God, worship him. That's the only way to go. And then we're on to 38. And the Lord himself makes an appearance speaking directly to Job. He says, who are you, Job, to be spewing out knowledge like this? Well, get ready. Why don't you start teaching me and I'll listen to you? He says, ah, can't do that, huh? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And he continues to give examples. Where were you? How did, do you have understanding of this? You know, I created all of creation. How did, how, what do you know about it? He's saying, I, I command the seas to go where they are, the dawn. Um, he, he's basically saying all of creation, the way it works in its incredible intricacies. These are beyond your comprehension, and yet I'm in command of it all. Do you, can you explain this, Job? And he gives more and more examples. Again, saying, Job, can you explain all this? How, what do you know about these things? You're questioning me and my ways, but what, how, here's, it's kind of like Jesus when he was, Nicodemus was, uh, they were talking, and Nicodemus had no understanding of Jesus explaining being born again. And Jesus said, if you don't understand these simple things of the natural world, how are you going to understand the eternal things? It's basically what Job is saying. Look, the, these ways the natural world works, like I, I made them, I understand them, and you don't understand them. So how can you possibly question me on matters of the heart and the eternal nature of life? Because these are just seas and uh, planets and, and they, these are all natural things so he's saying that the the way that he works in the life of people is far more important far more critical far more eternal than even you know the way the seas move or the way the planets and stars move so it just shows you how important the life of of mankind in general and each individual person in particular are to him. All right, the Lord's led me to verse 22 before. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of the hail? And he says he's reserved them for the day of distress and the day of war and battle. Uh, snow, I, I see as a wisdom in that God has prepared a wisdom for his people in the day of trouble. So that this is uh, reminiscent of our day and our, the people that he's calling up as his remnant people in this day. And again, he gives many more examples about uh, um, just how incomprehensible his ways are to, uh, to mankind. Even in 31, you know, even the constellations in 32, he's, you know, he is in the movement of these things and it's just far beyond what we can even imagine.
In 36, he moves on to who gives wisdom in the innermost being of a person or gives understanding to the mind. So now he's kind of going beyond just what the natural world is doing to he speaks to the heart of a person. And he gives several examples of different animals that are going. He says, I take care of the eating needs of all the different animals. Can you possibly do that? And then we move to chapter 39. He continues with the animals. Do you, you, know, do you know when they give birth, etc.? Then he starts asking him if the animals will trust him, which is interesting because if we take back, he's basically saying, no, the animals will not trust you in these things. Um, but if you go back to the garden, originally the animals were all completely under the uh, the sovereignty of mankind, of Adam and Eve, and uh, they did uh, trust, and um, you know that it was a different kind of reality. And so um, he's basically pointing to the fallenness of man here. And he goes on to explain ostriches and horses and eagles and how they have very different personalities in, in the way they go about life. They're completely different and not how a person would ever even design them. And yet God makes it all work together in a magnificent system. And it's all beyond what Job can even comprehend. And we'll finish up what, uh, well, I don't know if we'll finish it, but we'll, we'll start on chapter 40 next time. God bless you.